when the murders in Atlanta happened. And it was really hard for me emotionally because I was kind of grieving this massive cultural thing that was happening. And it was so, I was so connected to it in some ways, but I felt like I wasn't able to mourn publicly about it because I wasn't really Chinese or I didn't feel very Chinese. and. A lot of the people in my life didn't see me as Chinese. And so I felt kind of guilty taking up that space. And then even in a lot of cases, I felt guilty because I felt like the white people in my life or my white family would think that I was kind of disowning them by trying to take up that space. I am joined by Kelsey. She's half Chinese. She lives in Toronto with a BFA from OCAD and a lifetime of work in hospitality. She currently works in film production, but she's recently made a big career leap after working for celebrity chef Cesar Lee. And I had him on the podcast earlier on, and she was working for him for 10 years as chief of staff and executive assistant. She's currently working on a podcast called Mixed Feelings, set to air May 24th. And the podcast will cover interviews about representation in film, colorism, feud ritual and other topics mixed people have. Um, her big interests are in food, hospitality, and media. She's happiest when watching TV, trying new restaurants or recipes. Uh, she recently took an online graduate level course with Boston University in food studies and gender studies. Um, and then she also deferred a six-month culinary position in France at Ecole du Casse with chef Hélène Ducasse. And she's looking forward to what her 30s will look like and how she'll be able to blend all of her skills together. I am so excited to hop in this conversation with you. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited Um, to chat with you. Yeah. So before we kind of get into what you're at now and everything, I really want to start with before like your childhood and growing up and I, for the audience that doesn't know, you wrote an amazing article of, you know, being half Chinese and being mixed and what that meant to you. And I could really relate to that because as my audience knows, I'm half Chinese and half French Canadian. And I felt kind of growing up that it was, I was kind of in limbo where I do speak French at home, but all my entire French family is in Quebec, whereas I'm in Vancouver. So there's been a disconnect on the French side of things Mm -hmm. and the Chinese side. My dad hasn't really, you know, been um, wanting to kind of explore that culture as much with me growing up. So I totally feel like I am Chinese and I'm kind of Chinese passing to some people. Sometimes I'm white passing. So I've never felt fully like embracing of, you know, either Mm -hmm. culture. So I can completely relate to that. So I'm just curious to know what your childhood was like and what was it like growing up as young Kelsey? Um, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, if you read in the article, my upbringing was very white by all accounts. I didn't grow up with my Chinese father in my household and from my memories, my mom would argue this isn't true, but I don't remember meeting my dad until I was older. She said I knew him throughout my young years, obviously, but yeah, he wasn't in my life. He, we have like a strange relationship. I see him once a year, maybe even now. And with COVID I've seen him, I mean, way less. So with that, it's been a strange, you know, strange upbringing. I'm really disconnected from my Chinese heritage and culture. So it was really white. I mean, I mean, I always knew I was Chinese, but I wouldn't say that I lived a Chinese life at all. I I still don't really. So yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how was that kind of 
growing up now where you're kind of realizing that we're I think you had said in the article, you said, I feel guilty for resenting my whiteness. I feel guilty for repressing my Chineseness. And I, I really, really relate to that. So what about now? How do you feel? Have you been able, like you said, you did a course in, I think mm-hmm. it was Chinese birth and death rituals. So how has that helped you kind of embrace and learn more about the Chinese culture? So as I've gotten older, so it actually kind of started, it all started spiraling for me in 2021 when the murders in Atlanta happened. And it was really hard for me emotionally because I was kind of grieving this massive like cultural thing that was happening. And it was so, I was so connected to it in some ways, but I felt like I wasn't able to mourn publicly about it because I wasn't really Chinese or I didn't feel very Chinese. And a lot of the people in my life didn't see me as Chinese. And so I felt kind of guilty taking up that space. And then even in a lot of cases, I felt guilty because I felt like the white people in my life or my white family would think that I was kind of disowning them by Mm -hmm. trying to take up that space. So it's been a really hard journey trying to kind of get back to that. Um, And that taking that course was a really fun I mean, fun way to do it because it was this almost an excuse because I was able to learn a lot about it under the guise of, you know, it's just school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't have this guilt to say, you know, there was no guilt um, that I was doing it on a personal level. I was saying I was able to say that it was kind of school related. Um, So, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I've it's I think it will be a lifelong journey. I don't think I'll ever be able to separate myself from it. And I think it'll also be really hard because as long as I have a strained relationship with my father, Mm -hmm. it'll always be a strained relationship with my culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can, yeah, I can completely relate to that. I think, I don't know if you, I guess you didn't, but I was put into Chinese school when I was a lot younger, um, my sister and Mm -hmm. I, and the, my dad is the, he's from Hong Kong, he's Chinese, but And my mom's the French one and coming back home, trying to do homework and trying to learn more about just like practicing Chinese. My dad wasn't really wanting to participate. And my mom, who's French Canadian, trying to help out, help us out with Mm -hmm. Mandarin school, just we weren't able to do it. And we looked different to some of the other kids because they were like mostly full Chinese. So we ended up stopped going. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that was the point for me where I felt really involved in the Chinese culture because I was going to Chinese school. And then it just kind of stopped. And then the only people that really carried on the transitions were my grandparents, but they're not, my grandpa passed away. So there's not as many like Chinese gatherings or dim sums or dinners. So I definitely right now feel so disconnected. And I try now to chat with other people who are mixed and be like, what was your experience? Like, do you also feel this weird disconnect where for me, I'm in between Mm -hmm. these both cultures. I'm like, what am I? Like, I know I'm Canadian, but I have these two things inside me that I'm just trying desperately to relate to. Um, So for you, it sounds like you really love learning and through that course that you did and you did a BFA and you were, you deferred a program in school for you. Have you always been the kind of person that really likes school? Um, Like what were you kind of thinking when you were in high school and then maybe college, what you wanted to do? I mean, I've always loved learning. I've Mm -hmm. had a hard time with structured learning. Okay. That's hard for me. Um, well, I mean, growing up with high school, that was really hard for me. It Mm -hmm. wasn't until I got out of that, that 
and actually undergrad was kind of hard as well. I went to OCAD. So obviously it wasn't super structured. It was fine arts. So admittedly, I did a lot of partying and, you know, uh, I could have taken a lot more out of that than I did. But having gone back again during the pandemic to a graduate level, I found that I was able to apply a lot of what I've learned in my adult life Mm -hmm. um, and really hone in on it. And I did really well. I think my average in that class was 96, which was insane. Mm -hmm. And I really got everything out of it that I went in to get. And I, I learned as much as I could. And I actually learned more about myself in the class than I did kind of content wise, which I was really grateful for. Um, and I think I've always said that if I could go to school for the rest of my life, I, I might, if I could kind of curate the kind of education that I wanted to, I, I, I would, but I think I had a hard time with going to OCAD and I had to take classes on color theory or, you know, art history that I didn't, you know, on subjects that I didn't want to take just because they were prerequisites. That was hard for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, schooling is kind of a toss up for me sometimes. Right. Yeah. I can feel that. And how did you get into the food food industry? Was it a passion at yours from a young age or yeah. How did you kind of step into that? Not really. I fell into it actually. Um, growing, I always kind of, um, and am envious of some of the people that I speak to culturally, you know, I think that is one of the things that I miss not having a connection to my Chinese self is that food element. Um, because I grew up with a white mom and I mean, I love her very much, but you know, we ate a lot of crappy food (laughs) growing up. Um, so I didn't eat a lot of great food. I don't have those fond food memories growing up. Um, so as far as my food experience, I just got a job when I was 15 at a restaurant and I kind of never left the industry and I moved my way up into management there. And I, when I came to Toronto, I was looking for kind of an easy job to make some money to pay back some schooling. And I started working at Susser, like Susser's restaurant. And I accidentally got that job. Okay. I just walked into the wrong restaurant and I was there for 10 years. And that kind of was (laughs) history. Wow. Okay. Were you like, if you spoke to, how old were you when you got your first job with him? Were you 20? With him, I was 23. Oh my gosh. 22. Okay, so 22. Yeah. If would you, if you could go back and talk to your 22 year old self that you would be like chief of staff have worked for him for 10 years, would she have believed you? Not really. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. So what, what do you think that you learn the most in terms of yourself and food working under, um, chef? Oh, that's a really hard question because I've learned so much from him. Yes. It's almost impossible to kind of say I've learned. I mean, I've learned a lot about how to run a business, Mm -hmm. sometimes how not to run a business. I've learned how to carry yourself professionally. I've learned how to work hard. He's honestly one of the hardest workers I've ever, you know, encountered. Mm -hmm. He's never not working and he's never not thinking Mm -hmm. about work. Um, Funny, a funny anecdote that he probably would, I mean, he would laugh if I told you, but he sometimes will wake up in the middle of the night. His wife has told me the story that he will wake up in the middle of the night 
and he'll have an idea for like a dish and he'll like write it on his arm because <laughs> he doesn't have anything to write it on. And he'll just wake up with like scribbles on his arm and he'll have to kind of decipher what to, what to do with that because he's just always kind of thinking about stuff like that. I don't know. He's yeah. He's just always thinking he's always working hard. Yeah. I don't know. He's just like, he's, he's kind of a genius. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Not that just from going to the restaurant just once, it felt like the entire thing was like a really beautiful dance that way, the way that like all the, yeah. the employees on the front of house, back of house, everything was just so coordinated. I remember just sitting there being like, I've never seen this before. There were so many different employees or servers coming in and it was just like so seamless. It just seemed yeah. like a really nice experience. Yeah. Well, the thing that, I mean, one, one thing that I learned from him Mm-hmm. years and years ago when I first started was he said something along the lines of he likes it to be kind of like Cirque du Soleil. Uh, so okay. it's funny that you mentioned that because there's mm-hmm. so much that goes on behind the scenes like Cirque du Soleil that mm-hmm. you don't get to see as the, the guest, mm-hmm. but that kind of contribute to this beautiful dance on the, you know, on the other side of the curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Also like learning to be able to see everything all at once everywhere. So yes my ability to kind of multitask and multifocus. I've always had that, but it was really honed with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think some people try to, if you're not in the food industry, I've never been, but envisioning what it's like to be like a chef, but I can't imagine what it's like being managing everyone all at once. What is it like? Mm-hmm. Is it quite chaotic? Is it structured? I'd love to hear like, what would be like a day in the life when you were managing everyone? I think for everyone, it's different. And over the mm-hmm. years, it changed for me. Mm-hmm. There were there were moments at the beginning of my career in that position that were really stressful for me mm-hmm. and moments where I felt like I couldn't handle it. And as I nearing, nearing the end of it, I was, mm-hmm. I found a lot of peace in it. Mm-hmm. I found, a, I really care for people and mm-hmm. I found a lot of comfort in taking care of all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was beyond stressful having to kind of lay off all these people t- due to COVID. Mm-hmm. So there are moments like that, that are really hard, but also lots of moments of joy when, you know, you get to bring them back and they're really excited and, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and I've had other conversations with women in the food industry and how it's not necessarily represented enough, not only with women in the um, food industry, but people of color. Um, did you experience any challenges being a female in the food industry? Um, and if not, can you maybe highlight some of maybe the, some of the misconceptions or maybe downfalls of the food industry that people aren't aware of? I think as a, I mean, as a woman in the food industry, I'm aware that there are lots of challenges. Mm -hmm. I think I make space for myself. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, you know, it's a unique kind of space. I kind of like, I push doors open sometimes. Um, So I know, I know that it's hard and I know that like kitchens specifically are really male dominated and they're really not, they're not the most welcoming space for women. And there's a lot of sexism and a lot of also racism. I've seen it, you know, you know, in our kitchen too, sometimes. Um, But that's also what I mean when I say that as someone who cares a lot for people, I do my best to kind of put a stop to as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what it'll be like now that I'm gone. I hope it kind of, I hope things are good. 
mm-hmm. now that I'm gone. Um, as far as, you know, as far as racism, I think Chefley's restaurant is fairly diverse. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an immigrant himself and he does his best to keep a diverse staff. We could definitely do better. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, the majority of our servers are like white men. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried my best to kind of curb that, but there's only mm-hmm. so much one woman can do. Yes. yes. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think that is one place that I could have, I did come up against a lot of things is that like my voice wasn't always heard mm-hmm. um, in some of our like manager meetings. I, I still was only one woman. Right. Uh, so yeah, there, there were challenges. That is one way, one of the reasons why maybe I, I left, but I also left to go into another industry that is also heavily male dominated. Uh, you know, film is, I think from what I understand also pretty harsh in that regard. So we'll see. I don't know. Yes. And yeah, transitioning to today, you've made a big leap in career change. Um, what were kind of those steps? Have you thought about you said that you're passionate about film and TV. Is this something you've thought about for a while? And how did you make that kind of change? I, well, after 10 years working for Chef Lee, I just, I knew I needed a change. I wasn't sure what it was. Um, I was talking to a friend who had suggested going into production, Mm -hmm. saying that I would be a great producer. Mm -hmm. And I'd never really thought of that before. So I kind of suggested it to a few friends, just kind of put it out into the world. One of my friends had said that his partner works in production and kind of fast forward a few months, I just was offered a job and I made the move. It kind of happened pretty quick and pretty coincidentally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was a really interesting shift and it was kind of like the universe just like handed me this present. It was kind of cool. So yeah, I had been thinking about it. It kind of happened quickly. I was talking about it in October and it happened, you know, in April. So, wow. Wow. So how did you feel when you first found that out? I'm sure there was excitement at the beginning where were you ever maybe like anxious about leaving such a long history Mm -hmm. and career change I'd love if you could walk me through like how you were feeling if you remember oh yeah I remember it very well it was (laughs) it was so hard it was Mm -hmm. I mean I I cried a lot to be honest Mm -hmm. um because I mean like Chef Lee and his family are my family in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways and I kind of hate I kind of hate hearing people talk about their work families, sometimes it makes me cringe a little bit um, because it's like that work culture, you know, we put so much emphasis on our, our work culture that we make, you know, the world makes us think that it's our family and it's not like our family Mm -hmm. is our family, our friends, you know, are our family, but I was so in connected with his family because I worked so closely with him as his assistant, you know, I spoke to him every day, like morning, noon, and night. I babysat his dogs. I house sat for them. You know, I, I did a lot for them and, you know, they did a lot for me. I, they cared for me as as much as I cared for them. And so it was a very copacetic relationship and perhaps in an unhealthy way at some points, like admittedly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it was very hard to admit that I was like leaving. And also I had like built this life around going to and from this place every day. So mm-hmm. I remember on my last day, I was biking to work and I was like, this is the last time I'm going to bike this road. And it was just like so <laughs> sad for me. Mm-hmm. It was like so pathetic, but, um, it was, it was very emotional. Um, but I mean, we're still in touch. I've gone to visit them a few times and I'm, you know, babysitting his dogs in a few weeks. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a, still a relationship that we'll have for a really long time. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for that. That's amazing. And how do you feel now in your new role? Is it what you expected? Um, are you now figuring out, like, do you still want to go into producing if you're not in it now? Or like, where are you at? Yeah. So I'm actually mm-hmm. a production coordinator okay. for documentary film company. Yes. And it's, I mean, I had no expectations to be honest, mm-hmm. which I think is probably good. I, I didn't, I don't really like having expectations. Otherwise I'm always going to disappoint myself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great. I am learning a lot. It's in all honesty, it's not a huge challenge for me, given what mm-hmm. I used to do. I, right. you know, I wore so many hats and I did, you know, five full-time jobs previously. This is a walk in the park right mm-hmm. now. And I am kind of enjoying that. Mm-hmm. And I do still want to do production. I I'm looking forward to like next steps moving on or like not, not moving on, but moving Mm -hmm. forward. Moving. Yes. And I'm kind of also just formulating what my next kind of moves are. I'm hoping to move from documentary into more food media. And then from there, maybe into like food documentary. So Mm -hmm. I've worked on shows like iron chef Canada with chef Mm -hmm. Lee Yes. So kind of do, do that element. And then perhaps from there, go into more documentary travel style, like, you know, Anthony Bourdain's shows or like chef's Mm -hmm. table or things like Mm -hmm. that. And like, that's kind of the trajectory I'm thinking I'd like to potentially manifest for myself. Yeah. That's very cool. And what has food played a relationship like in your life? Now that you had said earlier in your um, bio that you were going to attend culinary school do you like cooking yourself? Is it Mm. like you, are you trying to blend both food and like production together? Um, but I'd love to hear how food is played in a relationship in your life now. Well, I, I mean, I love cooking. I love Mm -hmm. eating. I think I like eating more than I like cooking. (laughs) Me as well. (laughs) Um, but I love both. And I think no matter what I do in my life career wise, it has to involve food. Mm-hmm. in some way, whether it's hospitality or production or something, um, the food out has to be an element from there. Um, how has food played a role in my like life? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's been the crux of most of my professional growth. I think mm-hmm. having worked for chef Lee, as long as I have, it's, it's opened so many doors for me. Mm-hmm. And I've met so many people, the majority of my close friends I've met through working at Lee or one of the kind of offshoot restaurants that we've opened. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so just any of the things that have kind of touched the Suser Lee Corp, I kind of have to thank for like that food element are mm-hmm. parts of my life, you know? 
Okay, cool. And before we get into the rapid fire, I'd love to hear more about your podcast. um, Mm. If you want to just kind of share and if people like they want to listen where they can listen and everything. Sure. So it's still in the works, but it's basically, it came from, it was born out of that piece that I wrote about Mm -hmm. being mixed and this kind of guilt that I have about being half Chinese and all these feelings that I have about being Chinese. And I, I wrote it in the wake of the Atlanta murders and I just kind of had to get my feelings out and I published it and I got so much feedback from people who were mixed, just saying, I completely relate to that. And I just never knew how to say that, or I never knew anyone else felt that way or, you know, whatever the feeling might be so many people could relate. And so I sat on it for a little while and I thought, I think I need to do something with this. And Mm. I'm kind of a very, I'm kind of an introvert. So I've, but I've, I've always longed for connection with people. So I really wanted to do something with it. So I decided I wanted to do a podcast where I just talk to people about these things that we relate on. Yeah. So, you know, each episode, we're going to talk about themes I guess that we can relate on so my first episode is with my friend Hannah and we talk about she's half Japanese and we talk about our experiences with fetishization and just kind of being that like Asian princess trope or you know Mm -hmm. that experience with that so you know and then my friend Will we talk about uh, Asian representation in film in Hollywood Mm-hmm. And his experience with being an Asian man and, you know, the emasculation of Asian men. Mm-hmm. So like those kinds of topics. And I hope that my hope for it is that people who are mixed can find some comfort in the fact that their experience is not totally at once it's unique, but also mm-hmm. not totally unique. Yes. Yes. Because I'm finding a lot of people you know, on one hand, my experience as a half Asian person is very, very unique, which is sometimes really isolating. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's actually quite beautiful because it's special to me and it's unique mm-hmm. to me. So mm-hmm. it's it's a really interesting, lots of interesting thoughts floating around. Yes. I am so excited to hear it once you get launched. Like I, I haven't heard a podcast like this. And I have a few happy friends as well where we can relate on some things, other things, not at all, again, because everyone has their unique yeah. experiences. So I'm so excited to hear it. Um, but if you want to get into the rapid fire questions, we can just sure. kind of, okay. Totally. Um, first question, what is, this might be a hard question, but what's the best meal you've had at a restaurant? Oh my God. Someone asked me this the other day and I couldn't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> or one of your favorite, you know, meals that you've had. Hmm. I'm going to say, uh, I don't remember the name of the restaurant, but this restaurant in Spain. Okay. In Barcelona with my friend Maggie. That's all I can say. There was a, (laughs) there was a foie gras ball. Um, that's all I can remember. Okay. Just like, yeah. Okay. Um, what's the best meal you've cooked yourself and you really liked it? Oh my 
this is a bad game for me. I have the worst memory <laughs> these kinds of things. Um, oh, you know what? I made myself a, a carrot cake for my Ooh. birthday, uh, like during COVID. Yes. And it was just like this tiny little, because it was just me and it was COVID. <laughs> I just made this tiny little cute carrot cake and that was quite special for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite TV show? <laughs> oh, um, these are not rapid fire. <laughs> one of my comfort shows is new girl. I love that one. Great. Great answer. I love new girl. That's on my list. That's like the tops of my list yeah. for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, that yeah. and the office for me always hits it. And have you heard of mm-hmm. Felicity, mm-hmm. the TV show? I know it. I don't, I like, it wasn't, that's an old one that I used it's to watch old. with my mom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Um, okay. If you could title, um, the chapter of your life right now, what would you call it? Intention. Mm. It's like my current word right now. That's interesting. I was asked this question by my partner and I said, intentional. I said, so that's, that's funny. Oh, that's cool. I love that. (laughs) Um, what is your favorite place to like escape? Like where is your safe haven? My house, my home. Nice. Um, if your life was a movie, what genre would it be and who would you want to play you? I don't know if there's a name for the genre, but like boring, like, you know, the boring films that nothing really happens, <laughs> just like the day in the life. Actually, yes. my friend Will, when we were doing our pod, our podcast about representation of film, he had this phrase that he used. It was called, he said, a slice of life, which it's been replaying in my mind. It, I found okay. it so beautiful. That would be the genre of my okay. movie. Okay. Because I just, I just, nothing exciting really ever happens in my life I just Mm -hmm. kind of go about running errands and doing normal things Mm -hmm. and who would play me an unknown actress that is not special (laughs) (laughs) I like that okay um and then last question who are the three most influential people in your life okay my my mom for sure Mm -hmm. this might be just kind of current because of where I'm at in my life but I think Mm -hmm. Chef Lee Mm-hmm. to be honest um and also maybe his wife brenda mm-hmm. yeah yeah those are great answers yeah yeah well amazing thank you so much kelsey it was yeah. thank you for just sharing everything about your life and um i again i'm so excited for your podcast and listeners can tune in on may 25th um it'll be on spotify apple Podcasts, everything everywhere right yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was really, really nice chatting.